Uh, this morning, we are in part two of a two-part message series that we are calling God and Country. And if you take a look at your back of your bulletin, there's a little brief explanation of what this series is all about. It says, followers of Jesus have always been agents of transformation. How will you influence your community and your country? And so, yes, in this series, we're going there. We're talking a little bit about this election, this presidential election. We're sort of kind of generally talking about politics because we're just not getting enough of that, are we? We're just not getting enough coverage of the election on the news. And yes, we're being inundated with all this stuff, but um, but we thought it was a good idea to take some time to really think about this from a Christian perspective. You know, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we sort of have this um, dual citizenship thing where it's like we're, 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 we belong to Jesus and we're Christians and we're part of the kingdom of God, but we're also citizens of this country. And so how do we handle filling those dual roles and, and how does our Christianity influence the way that we think about politics and government and, and our president? And so last Sunday, for those of you who were here, you might remember we talked about... Um, about this voting process, and last Sunday's sermon was called, What Are You Looking For in a President? And so we spent our time focusing on, you know, a list of things, a list of characteristics, a list of qualities, what we're looking for in that next president. What is it that we are looking for? What should we be looking for in a next president? So if you missed that message, and if you feel like you're a little bit lost this morning, you can always catch up online. Uh, That message is available at hopeccdelco.com. That's hopeccdelco.com. Uh, Click on the media tab and you can listen to that if you feel a little bit lost this morning. Today is part two, and so we're going to focus less on the president and what the president's role is, and we're going to focus more on us, more on the church and what our role is. Uh, This, uh, you know, we're outside and and it's clearly raining today, and as you're making your way from your car to the the theater here, you got wet and the weather is kind of rough, but, um, you know, as we're experiencing this unpleasant weather, you can't help but think about all those dealing with this storm, Matthew, this hurricane, Matthew, and you know, we're very thankful that as the, the storm has made its way up the coast, it's been downgraded, but still it's caused a lot of damage. You know, our, our brothers and sisters in Haiti, they've suffered greatly. It's just like they can't catch a break down there. Um, but it's been a very difficult time, so I appreciate Sean praying over that and praying for the folks who are in need there. Um, this week, as there was news coverage about, you know, Hurricane Matthew and what we were expecting, I couldn't help but be reminded of Katrina, Hurricane Katrina. And that was back in 2005, August of 2005. It was a long time ago now. Uh, but that was one of the worst storms in, in our nation's histories in terms of the, the death toll and the amount of devastation that was caused. Um, it was a really rough time for our nation. Now, a lot of us up here didn't have to deal with it directly, but you know, our, our brothers and sisters in the South really struggled through that time. Now, after that happened, after that storm, that Hurricane Katrina took place, Um, Our government responded. There was a response from the president. There was a response from our government. There was aid given. Um, There was uh, support sent. But a lot of people at that time, back in 2005, right on the heels of Hurricane Katrina, a lot of people were very critical of our president. Um, You might remember who the president was at that time. I'm trying not to say any names here. Keep it general. But our president was criticized. You should have responded quicker. You should have sent more money. You should be doing more. You should be doing more. You should be doing more. And he's not the only one who faced criticism. There are government agencies facing criticism. You should have been doing more. You should be doing more. And it was tough because you had a lot of people. Now, I've never been in that situation where I've been displaced because of a natural disaster. But can you imagine being in that situation? I mean, I don't want to imagine it. But you can appreciate the anger and the frustration. It's like everything is gone. I don't know where to go. Where am I supposed to go? Who's supposed to help? Shouldn't the government be doing something? Don't we have all these you know, budget dollars allocated for helping us? Where's the support? So there are a lot of people who were frustrated and who were angry who put that anger at the president and some of these other government agencies. Now, I never heard the president stand up at a press conference and say, hey, guys, 
I'm doing my best. I don't control the weather. I'm sorry. I never heard him say that, you know, to the public, but maybe behind closed doors he said that kind of thing, expressed that kind of sentiment. like, what do you want me to do? I'm doing my best. And I feel like there's so many government agencies that were under fire at that time, and I sympathize with them. You know, on the one hand, I understand the frustration level, but I also sympathize with our elected officials and the government agencies that were supposed to be providing support because it's like they were trying. They were just overwhelmed. The need was so great. The need was so large. Now, in the fall of 2009, this was four years after Katrina, the fall of 2009, I went on a missions trip with a group of Christians down to Mississippi to do rehab work from Hurricane Katrina. Four years later, they were still rebuilding. The fact is, they're still rebuilding now in some areas, still rebuilding to this day. And so I went down with a group of, of Christians, and we were there. And by the time we got down to Mississippi, we worked on a home, and, and it was just kind of sad. I mean, we were down there, and it's like, you've been living like this for years now. Like, oh, man. So we were building this one guy's home. We were doing some tire work, helping him rebuild his bathroom. He's like, you've been, how, what have you been doing for four years without a bathroom? So we've been doing this work. And by the time that we got there four years later, the government was long gone. Their support, the support money was gone. The government agencies were gone. They were just, they were just gone. And the only people left there doing the rehab work were us, were the missionaries. It was the church that was still there. You probably didn't hear about that on the news, did you? <laughs> But we were still there. The church was still present. The Christians were still present helping people. Now, one night, um, you know, the group of missionaries, we got together and we were, you know, having some dinner and we had some conversation about, you know, the role of the government and what the government had done. And, and see, the, it's kind of slimy what the government did here, okay? A little bit creepy. So what they did was after this disaster, um, they provided, and this is, this is wonderful, they provided all these little temporary shelters for people, little trailers to live in while their homes were being fixed, But then after a certain amount of time, they said, you know what, we're just going to let you buy these homes from us, these little temporary shelters at a discounted rate. You can have them, and then we can say you're not homeless, and then we can just walk away from the situation. We're done. (laughs) We're done helping you. That's your home now. Figure it out for yourself. That's all we can do. Sorry. Goodbye. And so our group was talking about this, and we're like, can you believe that our government would do something like this, that we would leave these people abandoned and give them these properties and just walk away from that? And so some conversation was happening around the, the table, and uh, I, was the, uh, I was the junior member on the trip, you know what I mean? I was, the young, I was the youngest one of this group of people, and, you know, our team leader was somebody I really respected, and so, um, you know, as this conversation is unfolding, man, I'm like, I'm, t- I'm, I'm just like, I'm experiencing these emotions again, <laughs> But as this conversation was unfolding, I started to feel like I, I, I have a counter-opinion to share. <laughs> I have a counter-opinion to share here, and I'm not sure if I should. Do you ever feel that way? It's like this conversation happens. like, I, I want to interject, but I don't want to make things awkward. I don't want to make things weird. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, you know what? This is a safe group of people. They're all Christians. I'm going to just share my opinion. And so when, when they started talking about the failure on the part of our government, I said, well, well isn't that why we're here as the church? Isn't this our job as the church to help people who are in need? Isn't this our work to do? It's not the government's job. Isn't it our job? So I threw that out there, and, and I don't know if my voice was quivering a little bit, but I felt, I felt like this is, this is our role as the church, to help people who are in need. And so I shared that, and, um, you know, it didn't get too weird. Everybody seemed to, because, like, you know, I never thought about it that way. That's what our team lead said. I said, I wasn't thinking about it that way, but I think you're right. This is our job. This is why we're here right now. We are here to do what the government can't. And it's not so much about a failure on the part of the government. And if I sound like I was being critical of our government, I'm really not. I'm really not. I mean, I can appreciate how, how difficult would it be to help all these people with, you know, even if you have a lot of resources, they're not infinite. How do you help everybody who suffered like this? 
And I just felt like at that moment, you know, we, the church, we're equipped to do things that our government isn't. We are. Now, I say this from time to time, and, and it, you know, people sometimes are a little taken aback when I say this, but I believe, I'm a believer in this idea, the separation of church and state. The separation of church and state. Let's keep these two entities separate. And I believe in that for two reasons. One reason is I don't want the state, the government, coming in and telling us how to conduct our business as a church. Like, as long as we're not breaking any rules, you stay on your side of the fence and we'll stay on ours. You know what I mean? Let us do what we're going to do. Don't tell us how to worship. Don't tell us what songs we can sing. Don't tell us how to practice our rituals. As long as we're observing the law, you stay out of the church, right? So that's one of the reasons why I believe in the separation of church and state. The other reason is this. I believe that we're very separate entities that serve very different purposes and are equipped to do different things. The church and the state are equipped to do different things. There are things that the state, the government, is equipped to do that, we, that just aren't our responsibility as the church. It's not for us to do. You know, creating laws and enforcing them, that's not, that's not my job. That's not your job. That's not our job as the church. Fixing potholes, that's not on us, is it? Do we have to get out there and do that and get the shovel? I don't even know how to do that. No, that's not on us. Making sure the traffic lights work, right? That's not our job. We have a government that that does things like that, and they're equipped to do things like that. But the church, and I'm going to say this, I think the church, I think we're far more powerful than the state because we were created by Jesus Christ. The church, the church is not an organization. It's not a club. The church is the movement of Jesus Christ in the world. We were founded by Jesus Christ. We were launched by Jesus Christ. We have been equipped by Jesus Christ. We've been given the Holy Spirit so we can do this work, and we can do what the government cannot do. We have a power to do things that the government cannot do. Let me give you a little example of this. Um, And really where I'm going with all this, just to give you like, I don't know, give away the ending a little bit here. But I just feel like we American citizens, sometimes we put expectations on our government that just aren't fair. We expect them to do things that they're just not equipped to do. We ask them to solve problems that they just, they might want to solve them, but they just can't. We're asking them to meet needs that they're not equipped to meet. And I am thankful, don't get me wrong, I am thankful that we have elected officials who care about taking care of this nation, who care about taking care of the people, who care about taking care of the poor. I'm thankful for that. But see, the thing is, they, they're just, their hands are tied in a way ours are not as the church. And so I feel like our expectations aren't exactly fair sometimes. When we think about, oh, what we want the president to do for us. Oh, we want you to solve all of our problems. We want you to take care of this. We want you to you know, put food on my table. I want you to, whatever it is, we have these expectations for our government officials and for our president. Maybe, maybe some of our expectations as American citizens just aren't fair. And our poor government officials, they want to solve these problems, but they just can't. They're not equipped to do it. They're not equipped to solve all these issues. But the church, the church can do what the state cannot. The church can do what no president can. Think of it this way. Um, Our government has these uh, different programs um, that have been designed to help people who are poor. Let's talk about that one issue, poverty, okay? And so we, the American people, we've gone to our government and we said, hey, you're taxing us. We want you to take care of us. We want you to provide for the poor. We want you to solve the issue of poverty, and so they've tried, right? They've created programs to try and address that. How can we help the people who have low income? How can we people, you know, help people who are poor or, or suffering? And so they've created different programs to, to help with food support and help with you know, health insurance support and you know, to get your, their taxes reduced. And they've created these programs to try and help poor people. Uh, over the past 
five years, I found myself on two separate occasions trying to help individuals through the government process of receiving support. If you've ever been through that process yourself or if you've ever helped somebody you know, try to access the support funds that are there, it's a very difficult process. It is. Um, if you're going to receive any kind of financial support or, 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 or help with food or anything like that from our government, there are hoops you need to jump through. Of course there are. You just can't walk up to Uncle Sam and say, hey, I need some money because I'm poor. Oh, here's a check. It doesn't work that way, okay? And by the way, Uncle Sam's broke, so I don't know where he's getting his money. But, but you can't, it doesn't work that way. There needs to be hoops to jump through. There needs to be criteria that you, you, know, you need to meet this. Where, prove to me that you don't have any income. How do you prove that? <laughs> prove to me that you don't have any money. How can you prove the non-existence of anything? It's, like, it's very difficult, but they have, they have to set these standards. They just can't write checks to everybody that comes to their door, right? can't walk up to the president and say, hey, you got anything for me? It doesn't work that way. And so they've created this system. And so like I said, I've had to go through this process of work with two different people now, trying to fill out the forms and then refill out the forms. And then you get the form back and they need this information. You got to put your bank information on there. And it's like, it's, it's a lot of hoops to jump through. And then because it's, because it's a system that has to be like nationwide, they have to consider all these variables and all these different factors. And then there are some people that just don't, they just fall into categories that, that there's no support for. I, had a, I was working with somebody, and it's like, we're trying to get some, some support for health care coverage, okay? Um, now it's a law. We have, if you're an American citizen, you have to have health insurance. Isn't that the deal? You have to have health insurance if you're an American citizen. So I was working with someone, and they got a, a letter back from the state saying, well, we can't offer you any discounts with your health insurance because you make too little money. You fall outside all the categories. Like, well, you make too little money? And what they said, listen to this, they actually said, we're going to send you a letter back, we're going to send you certification back that says that you're exempt from having to carry health insurance. <laughs> we're going to send you this back. We can't help you out. We don't have any, you don't fall into any category that we can help, and so we're just going to send you, you're off the hook, and if someone asks you, you're not going to be in a fine for it, you're, you're allowed not to have it. I'm like, really? How can this be? But that's the problem with the government, is that they're not equipped to handle all these things. Now imagine this, let's think about this the other way. Imagine someone who is in need financially. Someone who is in need financially. Imagine they don't go to the government. They don't go to the offices. They don't try to fill out this. Imagine instead they try to have that need met within the context of relationships. Not, not through a program, not through the government, but in the context of relationships. A person who has a need, maybe it's a temporary need, maybe it's a long-term need, maybe it's a health need, maybe it's a finance need, maybe they just need a meal made for them, but saying, going to their support system, their other people in the context of relationships and saying, listen, I'm having a really tough time right now, and receiving that help within the context of relationships. Now, I put it that way on purpose. I thought about saying, well, what if they receive that help within the context of the church? But here's the thing about the church. When we talk about church and the kind of ways that we help people, the kind of ways that we support people, real ministry is always done in the context of relationships, okay? The context of relationships. So imagine that. Imagine if a person, instead of saying, hey, I'm in need, let me ask the president to fix this. Let me go to the state. Let me go to the government. What if they came to us? What if they came to us for that support? Aren't we here to help people who are in need? Isn't that part of our responsibility? Now, it's weird for a person, you know, if they walk up the street and they're not connected to this group of people and they're like, well, I need some help, so I guess I'll go plug in with the church. That can be weird. But, but imagine one of us in this room right now. 
We're already a part of this church. We're already a part of this fellowship. We're already a part of this body. And if we're, if we're experiencing a difficult time, all we need to do is look around to our brothers and sisters in Christ and let that need be known. I need some fill in the blank. I need some prayer right now. I'm lonely. I need a friend. I'm hungry. I need a meal. Finding the solution right here within the body. This kind of thing gets messy. I know that. But, um, but life is messy. Relationships are messy. We're messy people. Um, if you look to the book of Acts, when you look at the very first church, the very first local church that started the church in Jerusalem, there was an issue that came up in the church where they were sharing all things together. They were a true community of people. They took care of each other. In fact, that was part of the appeal of the first church in Jerusalem. People stood outside that church and looked at this group of people and said, look how they love each other. Look how they take care of one another. Look how they support one another. Wow, that's awesome. And so anyway, an issue arose within this church, and, and some, of the, some of the widows were being overlooked when it came time to distribute food, and so this issue was brought to the leaders in the church. And you can see how the leaders addressed this issue. They didn't ignore it. They didn't say, okay, well, it's a few people. They're not being fed. We don't have time to deal with this. It's not a big deal, whatever. No, they didn't ignore it because that would have been wrong. You've got people. Some of your own are in need. You've got people in need within your own midst, within your own body, within your own community. We need to take care of this need. What they didn't do they didn't go to the Roman government. <laughs> they didn't say, hey, Roman government, we got some of our own. Some of our people are hungry. They're being overlooked. They're not getting enough food. You're taxing us. You're taking all this money. Can you give us some of that back so we can take care of our own people? They didn't do that, did they? No. They solved the problem internally. We're going to take care of each other. We're not going to rely on, on some, something that's not, you know, some government agency. We're going we're to rely on each other. And that was the beautiful thing about the church. They took care of each other. Now, don't think for a minute I'm trying to like condemn or criticize these government programs that are out there. They're out there, that's fine. If you're in a place where you need to take advantage of, of what's out there, that's great. All I'm saying is we could do a better job of that. We can do a better job of taking care of people because our hands aren't tied the way the government's hands are tied. I talked about how difficult it can be to access support. I mean, people who are legitimately in need, it can be so difficult to access support. There's agencies now where they have had to hire people and create these you know, institutions where you can go and meet with some, an employee of the government who's going to tell you how to get this funding, okay? So you think about the layers, and it's all outside of the context of relationship. It's not about relationship. It's not about one person helping another person. It's about some you know, nameless, faceless agency trying to give money and allocate funds based on numbers on a piece of paper. You see how complicated that is? But we within the church, we can do. We can do what the state cannot. We can do what the government can't. We have this power. And so maybe those of us in the room who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus, guys, we need to be careful about the expectations that we put on the state, that we put on the government, that we put on our next president. You know, there's so much anger in this election, right? Oh, man. Just between, from, from last Sunday to this Sunday, the stuff that's come out in the news and the anger and the, you know, yelling on the newscast back and forth. Like, what is going on? We have so many people who are angry. So many people in this nation feel like our government has failed us. Maybe you don't feel that way. Maybe you do. I don't know. But you've heard it, right? You've heard the anger. You've seen the anger. Government, why aren't you dealing with some of these social justice issues? Why aren't you dealing with some of these you know, race relations issues? Why aren't you dealing with poverty? Why aren't you dealing with you know, the, the wealth and the, the unfair balance? Of, why are you dealing with these issues, government? And so many people feel like our government has failed us. 
And I'm sympathetic towards our government. I am. You're like, you poor guys, you're trying. I mean, some of you, not all of you, right? You know, I like to think the best of people. They're trying. They're trying to help. But they're just, there's certain things that they can't do. We've got a lot of American citizens who feel like our government has failed us. I don't know that they have. I'm wondering maybe, maybe is it us that's failed? Has the church failed in America? Is it our failure? Aren't we the ones that are supposed to be a light in this world and in this country? Now listen, I'm not, I don't want to get into any of that church bashing stuff that sometimes you hear where people really are critical. I'm not, no. No, 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 no. We don't tolerate that kind of thing. There's no church bashing here, okay? But I am trying to accept responsibility where responsibility is due here, okay? Maybe we, maybe we have been a little too standoffish as the church. You know, it's very comfortable for us to kind of sit and gather in a space and listen to somebody talk and not get in each other's lives and then just leave and they go, whatever, okay. I feel like maybe we've done this thing of outsourcing some of our responsibilities to the government. Oh, there are government agencies that take care of that. There are government agencies that take care of this. Maybe we need to take more responsibility for taking care of people within our community. Now, here's the thing. If we're like, okay, you know, the church, we're supposed to solve all the problems around this country. How do we do that? Well, I feel like part of the problem is this. We need to make our worlds a little bit smaller sometimes. When you think about everything that's going on in the nation, everything that's going on globally, everything that's happening right now, like, wow, you get overwhelmed. What's happening right here in our own community? What are the needs that be, need to be addressed right here? Focus in on them. How could we do that? Why don't you take a look at the scripture passage that Kayla read for us today? First time reading for us, and she got a big old passage of scripture. <clears throat> this is 2 Corinthians. This is Paul originally writing a letter to this church in Corinth, and you know, the church in Corinth, they were basically infamous for their um, bad behavior. Can I call it that? <laughs> they were a dysfunctional church. They were figuring it out. It was a very messy church. Let me put it that way. It was a very messy church. 2 Corinthians verse five, or chapter 5, starting in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone was in Christ, if anyone was found their hope in Christ, found salvation in Christ, has fallen in Christ. If anyone was in Christ, the new creation has come. The, the old has gone. The new is here. How many times have we referenced this scripture in our brief history as a church? Like, a thousand, two thousand, what is it? I lost count. This is such an important idea, such an important concept, such an essential teaching in Christianity. When you follow Jesus, you're something new. That old dies off and the new is born. All this is from God. This is part of God's design. This is all intentional from God. All this is from God, and what did God do? Who reconciled us to himself through Christ. You think of the work that Christ accomplished on the cross, what he did. There was this, this divide between humankind and God. We needed to be reconciled. We could not instigate. We couldn't initiate that reconciliation process. God had to do it for us. And so he did this work in Jesus Christ, this ministry, this work of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. I mean, you find this same idea all throughout the New Testament phrased in different ways. What's the work God has given to us? Well, it's the work of sharing the gospel. Well, it's the work of, you know, helping people who are in need. What, how does Paul put it here? This work of reconciliation. You know, Christ did what no human being could do. Christ paid the debt for humankind. Christ paid the penalty for our sins. Only Jesus could do that. Now, we have to carry this message of reconciliation and share it with other people. We, uh, verse 20, <clears throat> we are therefore Christ's ambassador, 
as though God were making his appeal through us. Oh, man. <laughs> Sometimes, oh, man, I, maybe I shouldn't say this. I'm going to say it anyway. Sometimes I kind of feel like, I kind of feel bad for God. It's like, you've left this work to us, to human beings. God, you know how messed up we are. You know how selfish we can be, and even though, you know, we're saved, and we know Jesus, and we're following Jesus, and then we still fall into our old sin patterns, and we have ugly attitudes that we can't seem to let go of. You're going to leave the work of reconciliation to us? Well, he has, and he's given us his Holy Spirit to carry out this work, because we cannot do it in our own strength. He's made us his ambassadors. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That word righteous, that word righteousness, we see that a lot in Scripture. We talk about that in church. Righteous, it's this idea that there is a right way, a right approach to life. And we've been made to embody that right way, that right approach to life. And so here is God making his appeal to humankind through you and me, through us, through the church, through the followers of the way, through the followers of Jesus Christ. Now, this appeal, this appeal that God is making, it's, it's multi-layers, it's multi-dimensional. You know, some of us Christians, if you look at like our history in America and what we've done and what we've been about and what we've focused on, you know, sometimes we really focus on this, the thing of salvation, the thing of conversion, Let's lead with that. Let's let people know that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. Let's get them to say a sinner's prayer. Let's get them to confess that. Let's get them saved. And then you're on your own. Figure it out. See ya. Enjoy your life. Glad you're saved. You know, some, that's one of the mistakes that we've made as Christians throughout the year. And, and can you fault us for focusing on salvation? I mean, who wouldn't focus on that? You're talking about eternity. And so we bring that message to the people. Sometimes we do that. And then sometimes we err on the other end of the spectrum. It's like, well, we don't want to talk about Jesus because that's weird. So we'll just focus on like helping people and meeting needs and like social justice causes and meeting the needs of, of the poor. We'll just focus on that stuff and not really deal with, with, the, with the gospel of salvation. Well, that's a big mistake, isn't it? Wow. You're going to do, meet somebody's needs in the here and now and that yacht not talk about eternity? That's a mistake that we Christians make. And again, I'm not, this isn't. I'm not bashing the church, right? I'm just trying to acknowledge. I'm part of this thing. I'm trying to acknowledge where we've, where we've made mistakes. And then there are some times where we leave out an essential piece of what Jesus was all about, what his teachings were all about. Because Jesus, he didn't just come to give us eternal life. He presented us with this way of life in the here and now. Jesus talks about bringing the kingdom of God to the earth. I'm going to give you a way to live right here and now. I'm going to give you boundaries to live within right here, here and now. It's not just about what happens to you when you die. It's also about how you live here and now. And sometimes we Christians, we just neglect that whole thing. We say, well, God is love. God will forgive you. And, you know, as long as you're saved, don't worry about it. Do what you want. Love the one you're with you know, rock and roll, whatever. Sometimes we just forget that because we don't want to get messy. We don't want to interfere with people's lives. We just kind of like put our hands up and say that. But we've got to do all these things. You know, the message that, that we're trying to communicate, this appeal that God is making through us is, is God is trying to say, hey, I love you. That's the message that God is trying to communicate through us. And he wants us to be saved, absolutely. He wants to be united with us forever when we leave this earth. He wants that. He also wants what's best for us in the here and now. He wants us to live wisely. He wants us to live within our boundaries. He also wants to see our physical needs met. He wants these things. Now, of course, the most important thing, you know, again, salvation, if you have to pick what's the most important thing, yes, of course, understand the gospel. Putting your trust in Jesus instead of yourself, yes. But we're still here. We're living in this world, and so we need boundaries to live within in the here and now. And so that's why Jesus created this movement called the church. 
is to be these agents of reconciliation in the world, bringing these concepts, bringing this message to the people in our own community. Can the government do any of that? <laughs> Whoever becomes our next president, can they do that? Can they do this work, this ministry of reconciliation? Do you think? I don't think so. I don't care who becomes the president. I don't care if Billy Graham becomes president. I mean, he can't do it. But we, as many, we as a collective, we as the church, we as the movement, we can do what no president can. We can do what the state cannot. Last week I mentioned this, um, something that I, I was taught when I was in school. One of my professors said that, um, you know, he was talking about the difference between the, the state and, um, you know, the church. And he said, you know, the state, um, they have this power. They have an authority. They have the ability to restrain evil, but the church can make people good, can change people's hearts. So there's a big difference there. You know, the, the state has this ability. The government has this ability to set rules and make it illegal. You can't do bad things or you get punished. Okay, that's fine. That's what they can do. Please do that, state. Please do that, government. But we, the church, through the power of the Holy Spirit who is alive within us, we have the power to change hearts, to make people desire good over evil, to help people desire to do the right thing over the wrong thing, to practice this thing of righteousness. We have a power that the government does not. And so let's, let's, you know, let's make our world a little bit smaller. Look at the needs around us here. You know, we as a local church, we as a church in southern Delaware County, we need to take responsibility for our community. And you know what? That starts right here. We need to look out for each other. And that's another, another mistake that sometimes we churches can make and we church people can make. is like, well, we want to like love other people out there, so we're going we're gonna to go beyond our walls. And love. Well, we also have to love each other and take care of it. Look around this room. Seriously, look around. We have to take care of each other. And when needs arise, we need, uh, we need to take care of each other right here and right now and keep our eyes open to the greater needs in our community. What are they? I mean, some of the big needs, some of the big issues going on, you know, across the nation, some of them impact us here and some don't. So what are the needs that impact us here? Let's press into those needs. What I'm suggesting is this. We need to be leaders within our own community. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a leader in your community. We need to take on that role. We need to stop outsourcing our responsibilities to government agencies. We are the light in this world because Jesus created us to be so. We are the light in this world. Now, the only way that this works is if you as an individual, if you are willing to get a little bit messy, to get into other people's lives, to love them. It's, you know, it's, it's easy to love. People are easy to love, right? But to deal with someone whose life is messy and has need, if you're, you as an individual, if you're willing to go there, then Christ will work through you. And we can do this thing. We can do what no government agency can. And so I say, we have to take on an attitude that says, the buck stops here. We are the church right here in Ridley Park. We are the church right here in Southern Delaware County. And so we are going to take responsibility for taking care of one another. Let's do that. Let's let the president do what the president can. Let's let our government do what the, the government has been designed to do. And let's the church, let's us as the church, let's do what only we can do. God is making his appeal through us. So be it. Let's pray. 
Father, we are, we are grateful. Um, we're grateful that you're you. We're grateful that you love us. We thank you for that love. We thank you for, we thank you for the cross, God. Jesus, you did for us what we could not do for ourselves. You made this right. You've reconciled us to the Father. Lord Jesus Christ, we acknowledge that we, as your church, we are your people. You have created us. You have designed us. You have given us a mission in this world. And so, Father God, don't let us shy away from our work. Don't let us outsource our work. Father God, we give you full permission. Make your appeal through us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.